Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the programme this week, the FIFA Under-20 Football World Cup kicks off amid yet another corruption scandal in the sport. We preview the competition and hear from New Zealand Football Chief Executive Andy Martin, who's in Zurich for the FIFA presidential elections. Super Rugby playoff spots are on the line when the Highlanders host the Chiefs. We talk to All Blacks halfback Aaron Smith on what's been the key to the Highlanders' good season. We hear too how New Zealand rugby is dealing with the ongoing issue of concussion. And Black Caps skipper Brendan McCullum talks about resurrecting the Test Series against England. New Zealand will host the Under-20 Football World Cup over the next three weeks amidst what's being labelled the biggest corruption scandal in world sport. 52 matches will be played over 22 days in seven New Zealand centres. Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch will host nine games each, while the rest will be contested in Whangarei, Hamilton, New Plymouth and Dunedin. The New Zealand side, the junior all-whites, have never... The New Zealand side, the New... The New Zealand side, the junior all-whites, have never won a game at an under-20 World Cup. But the... The New Zealand side, the junior all-whites, have never won a game at an under-20 World Cup... But the team's draw is a favourable one. As the New Zealand side, the junior all-whites, have never won a game at an under-20 World Cup. But their draw is a favourable one, and they're hoping for not just their first win at the tournament, but to potentially make the knockout stages. Richard Wayne reports. Up to 200 million people across the planet are expected to watch the Under-20 Men's World Cup on television. And organisers are hopeful of eclipsing ticket sales from the recent Cricket World Cup, which was co-hosted here. New Zealand Football CEO Andy Martin says football's junior version of the World Cup may surprise some people. I mean, obviously the Rugby World Cup was a huge event, the Cricket World Cup was a huge event, and, and this is FIFA's second largest event, and FIFA do things very differently to any other sport. Having worked in rugby and, and seen it myself, this is massive. I think the country's in for a big shock. I think they're in for a, a huge festival of fantastic football, and what we're expecting is, you know, Kiwis love sport, Kiwis love big events, and I want that stadium full on the 30th of May and for the two following games. The junior All-Whites have had their best ever build-up to a World Cup. In their last few warm-up games, they suffered some close losses and scored a win over Panama. But they fell 4-2 to Austria in their final hit-out on Sunday at East Coast Base. First-choice goalkeeper Oliver Sale from the Wellington Phoenix says they know it's business time now and they have to convert those warm-up results into wins at the World Cup. We're competing extremely well in these games. It's just now... Obviously in a big tournament like this, it is about producing results. These last few internationals, we've been really close, but it's just that last hurdle. Declan Wynn, defender. Do you reckon the Kiwis have yet to sort of really wake up to what a massive thing this is? I think so. <laughs> well, especially since it's in New Zealand, I feel if it was overseas, people wouldn't really even know what's going on. So for it to be in New Zealand, it's great. And if we get a large crowd and we put on a good performance, like the cricket, it'll help us further on the tournament. Home fighters is definitely going to help us because obviously we're not one of the, the bigger teams so we need anything we can get and if we get a big crowd and uh, they'll definitely help us.
organisers are hopeful of selling out tomorrow's World Cup opener against Ukraine in Auckland. Midfielder Matt Redenton's keen to put on a good show. The Phoenix player well aware three points tomorrow would be priceless. Especially in front of the home crowd and the opening game, you know, if we get a good result in that game, I'm sure the country will get behind us and hopefully that will push us on to you know, do good things at this tournament. An opening win, how precious wouldn't it be? Three points in the first game, then all you might need is a draw. Not to look at it like that, but mm. the maximum points, how good would that be? Oh yeah, that's, you know, that's the ideal outcome for us is, is to get three points in that first game and you know, get the history of having the first win and then hopefully from there you know, the team will be high on confidence and then can push to get enough points to make it to the next round. As well as trying to make history and make the country proud, the junior all-whites will also be showcasing themselves. Hundreds of football scouts from all around the planet are here to find the next Lionel Messi. Centre-back Sam Brotherton's quite excited. Yeah, well, obviously we're going to play against some great players that will we'll know are great players now, but I think in a couple of years they'll be discovered as world superstars, be playing at big clubs, some of them are already at big clubs. But uh, yeah, likewise, it's also a great opportunity for us boys to try and push our case. Uh, we're going to be showcased toe-to-toe against some of the best players so if we can prove ourselves against them then yeah maybe some of us will be able to get a good opportunity you're obviously excited aren't you yeah yeah very excited <laughs> can't wait that's junior always defender sam brotherton ending that report from richard wayne Football's international administration's in a state of flux as it tries to come to terms with the latest turmoil which led to the recent arrest of leading fifa officials in switzerland the beleaguered FIFA president, Sepp Blatter, has warned of more bad news to come for the organisation, but he's rejected calls to resign. Blatter, who's up for re-election, is refusing to stand down, saying he cannot be held responsible for individuals' actions. The European football chief, Michel Platini, though, has called on Blatter to quit, with Platini saying he confronted Blatter at an emergency meeting. UEFA president said he was sickened and disgusted at the arrests, which came as part of a corruption inquiry into the awarding of the 2018 and 2022 World Cups to Russia and Qatar. The New Zealand football chief executive Andy Martin is in Zurich for the presidential election and he spoke to the media today via a teleconference. It's quite bizarre. Um, the itinerary has gone out the window for what had started off to be you know, quite a lot of networking for us to meet countries picked up um, opponents to further windows for the all-whites has just completely gone out the window. Um, and you've got sort of a lot of frustration coming across because I think genuinely a lot of the people here are football lovers. Um, people are really hurting by the fact that the brand of football is being damaged. I think from a New Zealand point of view, we watched um, with horror and frustration the press release that you guys attended yesterday around the, the conference, around the uh, under-20 tournament. And of course... The football wasn't on the agenda. You were talking about the events in Zurich, which is such a shame. So, yeah, quite bizarre. People have been keeping themselves to themselves and trying to find information out. And this evening was like a a big speed dating event where uh, a lot of people lobbying for a vote. I think um, Prince Ali has obviously got a window now to really impress his objectives, his his views on people. Um, and people will be doing like we're doing, going away to consult with their executive committee before tomorrow's their vote. Uh, would it be fair to say that New Zealand's had a, a good roll of the dice uh, with, with Blatter in charge, with the, obviously the awarding of the under-20 tournament and, and our place uh, on the world stage? We've done very well under the current regime in FIFA, but that, that, that doesn't mean to say things can't change. And it would be wrong of us if we weren't 
mindful and reflective of some pretty horrific events over the last 24 hours here in Zurich, and, and the damage that has done to football, which is our number one priority here, needs to be considered. So, um, you know, current information has to be factored in, and that's what we'll be presenting to our expo tonight. New Zealand football has obviously had a lot of a good run with Bladder, but would it not be seen as a bad look internationally now to be voting for Bladder? We're really focused on doing the right thing for football longer term here, and a lot of the conversation tonight was how do we find a solution that gets football out of the mess it's in at the moment and move forward in a united way. So that's what we'll be presenting to our board um, so that we can make that decision tomorrow. What would you say to New Zealand football fans who, who quite frankly, won't be able to believe that you haven't made a definitive call not to vote for a man who's almost universally despised in the football world now? Well, first of all, I didn't say that. What I said is that we are going to respect the fact that we have to talk to our board first before we give you an indication of what our decision is. You've said that um, you don't think what's going on at the moment will affect the tournament in New Zealand that kicks off tomorrow, but in, you know, at the same time you're saying that it is very damaging to football in general. How, how does that work? The focus of the tournament is on the football, and I think you know, we might find that there is perhaps one or two visitors from FIFA that don't come, but other than that, the attention should be on what's happening on the field. Um, all the great teams are already there already. The players will be pretty much untouched by what's happening here. So, you know, New Zealand is going to host a great football tournament. We want to get behind our team and, and make sure we do as well as we can. I think what's happening up here is, is a long way away and shouldn't have any impact whatsoever. You've spoken about um, possible solutions to this in the long term. Can you give us any idea of, of what kind of ideas for solutions are being thrown around? There's a big issue around leadership and about brand leadership, about customer leadership. Um, they're the sort of conversations that have been going on tonight. And, and I think the decision tomorrow is going to be what does the Congress feel is the right solution to get us out of the mess that we're in right now as quickly as possible. Some people have been saying this vote shouldn't go ahead right now. Um, because, like you say, people are scrambling to try and get their head around the implications of what's going on. Do you think the vote should be um, held off for a while, or are you in favour of, of it going ahead to kind of lance the boil, so to, speak, so to speak? The vote will take place tomorrow, so it's very late in the day for anything to change unless something happens overnight. But as we left this evening, the vote will take place. So I think a lot of countries have gone away to really reflect on what that vote needs to be tomorrow. Can you give assurances that there's the integrity in which um, FIFA awarded um, New Zealand the Under-20 World Cup? You're, in, you're assured that that has been a, a process that has been legal? Absolutely. I think um, FIFA um, and the New Zealand government have invested together um, in hosting this event with the city. Um, and I think it's pretty well known that you know, our bid was looked on very favourably because of the track record that we've had in previous competitions, in the under 17 competitions. So, yeah, I think we are very comfortable that our process there was absolutely clean. That's the Chief Executive of New Zealand Football, Andy Martin, talking from Zurich. The Highlanders and the Chiefs square off in a Super Rugby local derby in Invercargill on Saturday night in a game that's likely to decide second place in the New Zealand Conference and the top spot for the wildcard playoffs. The Highlanders lead, the Hurricanes lead the overall Super Rugby standings on 57 points with the Chiefs and the Highlanders only a point apart on 44 and 43 respectively. 
the way the competition is now structured, the winner of each of the New Zealand, Australian and South African conferences automatically qualifies for the top six, while the other three spots are made up of the next best three teams. The Highlanders are currently in fifth place on the overall standings, having won nine of their 13 matches, with a team that certainly doesn't boast the star power of many other New Zealand sides. I spoke to All Black and Highlanders halfback Aaron Smith and asked him just why things were working so well for them. We're really excited to be home and, you know, you can see the boys a bit chirpier and um, happy they're being back in their own beds for a week and, you know, um, going down to our crowd in Invercargill should be amazing. And um, it's, it's a big game and, um, you know, I think we're really up for it. What, what's been the key to your success, do you think, this season? It's been very, very similar to last year. Very, um, very simple focus is just keeping it week to week and, that works for us, and um, you know we're still we've been able to keep a, 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 a mainstay of players on the field, which has been really good. And it feels a lot like last year. I guess the thing that we have this year is the experience of last year, which is you know a bit different. You know, making the playoffs last year was huge for us for our conference, I'd say. But um, just the small things and uh, learning from what we did last year that didn't really work, especially in this back end of the season. And then, um, but a luck never, 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 never dampens anything. And been able to win the games you should. We still, we still uh, throwing away a couple of games we shouldn't have, but um, we've won a lot as well, so that helps. You mentioned there about some of the things you might have learnt. What maybe springs to mind? You know, I think we took a, a lot of we a lot of emphasis on our kicking game. Um, I know the media always go on about how we kick the ball away a lot, but they just don't get that when we attack. We attack with the, we're in the right end of the field, and we tend to either score points or we score tries. So. Um, New Zealand rugby's always caught up about holding on to the ball, but we hold on to the ball, but we're just in the right, e- right end of the field when we do it. So I think um, it's something that's really changed in our game. And we, know, we used to play a lot of rugby and kind of not get results. Now we play bugger all rugby, but we get results. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a cool way to play rugby. And I really enjoy that in- emphasis on um, how we've changed our kicking game. And I think our kicking game's put us in uh, good stead because... Uh, when we kick well, we usually win. When we haven't kicked well, we've lost. So um, I think it comes down to that kind of thing with our talented, our player of talent pool and other teams have you know players across the board. Whether sometimes we may not as well, but you know, um, like I said, when we get into the right areas, we're da- we're dangerous, and um, it's been a real real boost for us as our kicking game. Now Dave Rennie's made an interesting comment. He's, he's saying the conditions in Invercargill, the forecast, cold and rain, might actually suit the Chiefs because you guys have been playing indoors so much. Yeah, um, oh, I, they, coaches can say what they want, I guess, and um, I'm not going to get into any uh, comment battles. So um, we've got a we've got a plan, and they've got a plan. So if he thinks that, then good on him. You, you're not uh, you, you haven't sort of gone soft as Southern men being out in the <laughs> no, cold, no, cold no. in the rain. No, 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 but we'll be honest, we've just come back from uh, South Africa and Sydney, so it is a bit of a shock at the moment, but uh, people forget that we uh, train and play in this, and I'd say in Chiefs land it's a bit warmer there than it is here during the year, so we train in this every day, they want to play one game in it, so it's, uh, it's pretty cracker. Just maybe on a wider perspective, what have you made of the Hurricanes and the Crusaders, given the Hurricanes are where they are and the Crusaders are, are struggling? I was a big Hurricanes fan as I grew up, and you know we always had, they always had the bloody the team that, you know, 13 All Blacks or something. So um, I think they just finally got it right, you know, and they've had the guys, they've got, you know, some senior players that are playing really well and leading them around. And then they've got some young, exciting players that are just really on their on their money and their point in their rugby careers. So it, it's good to watch. 
they play an exciting brand of rugby, but they also play a smart brand and their defence backs it up. So, you know, they're a hard team to beat. Um, and yeah, Crusaders, yeah. I mean, you're surprised that they sort of things haven't fired for them this season? Yep. I've had one of those seasons with the Highlanders that doesn't take much and uh, it's a hard hole to get out of. And yeah, like I said, it's just this comp is, uh, you know, you flip the coin just like the Hurricanes. Each game is a flip and if you don't turn up and you're a one to two percent off and they're a one to two two percent above, yeah, you'll get you'll get done in this comp. And you know we got done by the Lions by first half we turned up and the second half we didn't. So you just can't take you can't take any any game for granted. You have to turn up every week and that's hard. So uh, you know it's about turning up more weeks than not. I was talking to All Blacks and Highlanders halfback Aaron Smith. The more the medical fraternity learns about concussion, the more it seems to realise just how much it doesn't know. Concussion remains an ongoing issue in the world of sport, with many sporting bodies still wondering what's the best way to deal with the matter. New Zealand Rugby recently gave an update on their approach to concussion, with their medical director, Dr Ian Murphy, running through some of the processes they use. Barry Guy spoke with Dr Murphy, who explained that concussion and the treatment of it is relatively new on the medical scene, therefore medical experts are still trying to understand it. We've always understood a bit around uh, head injuries and, 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 and based a lot of information and advice on, I, I guess, on uh, expert opinion. Um, but sitting in behind that, there isn't a wealth of uh, hard data. It's a, it's a difficult area to obtain hard data and to do really good research because we don't have a really clear test of when one person's concussed when they're not. Um, in a lot of conditions which we have a lot of data, we can tell um, off an X-ray or a scan that, yes, this person's broken this leg or this person hasn't. Um, and concussion, it's, it's a little bit more grey than that. And, um, and, and so that's, that's led to some challenges in terms of getting good data. And it also, um, there's been, um, I guess, the awareness of this condition has really only really taken off in the last few years. Um, and, and often when uh, consensus out there says that this is an issue, medical science often does take a little while to catch up. And I, th- I think it's doing that, but it's, it's, not, uh, it's not quite quite there yet. And it appears to be a very individual thing, you know, um, yep. one person's concussion yep. is completely different to someone else. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair comment. I, I mean, that one of the slides you saw there today was that no two concussions seem the same, and, and I illustrated it from the point of view of... Um, different forces, be they linear, rotational and what have you, but there's also that human element here that we're not all built the same, we don't all look the same to start with, and um, and the underlying genetics perhaps gives some people a, uh, a greater a bigger predisposition or a greater chance of having a concussion or symptoms from it or long-term issues. And we haven't, I guess, to answer your question also around the, uh, the, the research and things, we haven't answered whether we can tell one person from another in respect to their concussion issues and what we can expect. And there seem to be a lot of generalisations because you see on TV, oh, look, that guy got knocked out, he shouldn't play next week. And, you know, he needs a week to stand down. And, and even that's, you, yep. know, uh, you know, too much of a generalisation, it seems. We, we believe, believe so at this time. Um, the, we, are, we are comfortable with that we have some really robust uh, assessment, testing, uh, review processes in place for players who have had a concussion or a suspected concussion. Um, uh, I think that they are well looked after by the team doctors that look after them and that uh, um, they make good decisions for the most part around whether players should or shouldn't return the following week. 
Uh, you, uh, you also, you're introducing uh, technology, video replay, yep. and that yep. sort of thing. Uh, you have match doctors. Are you, are you pretty happy that um, you're in the best situation you can be at the moment to, to get everything? Um, one never likes to get too comfortable in these in these matters, but I think we are. I think we're up to play with what's happening internationally, and that is to a degree reassuring. Uh, I don't think that we think we've got the situation beaten any more than anyone else has. Um, we certainly are keen and, and look to stay involved with, with research in the area and to develop our knowledge even more. We stay up to date internationally. Um, so we comfortable, yes. Um, prepared to go to the beach and put the feet up? Not at all at this point in time. And the process that, say, a super rugby player goes through once we see them run into the tunnel, you, you know, you went through it, we can't go all, to, all the details there, but it's, yep. it's extensive. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's a fairly, as you saw, it's a fairly demanding uh, test and, and, and demanding here in, here in a room when, when things are all in your favour. Compare it to when you're at a stadium and you know, there's the noise and you've been playing a game of rugby. Um, we, we do think it's a demanding test. It, it is on the side of caution. Um, we would rather take someone off who, in hindsight, a few days later, wasn't concussed than to leave concussed people out there if, we, if at all possible. So that's all great at the, the top level, but what yep. about grassroots, uh, you know, that sort of thing? Where are they? How difficult is that? Yeah, it's certainly challenging. Um, there's, a, there's most definitely a different context there. We don't have the we don't have the eyes on individual players. Um, we don't have the ability to assess them uh, on a match day as well. Uh, we we use Rugby Smart um, to help our coaches and referees with that element of it. Um, we we think it's important uh, to get those players when they come off the field um, to see their general practitioner, and that raises questions of you know knowledge in the community and so forth. Um, we think it's important they have a stand down, we think it's important they do a graduated return to play. They follow the same elements as our professional players but they, um, the, the time frames and the ability to observe them and to monitor them aren't so great so we again are on the side of caution with our stand down periods. Dr Ian Murphy who's New Zealand Rugby's medical director talking to Barry Guy. The New Zealand cricketers will try and resurrect their series against England tonight when the second test of the two-match series begins at Headingley in Leeds. After dominating for large parts of the first test at Lords, the Black Caps eventually lost by 124 runs. They also need to win this test and draw the series if they are to retain their world ranking of number three. The Black Caps skipper Brendan McCullum's made it clear, though, that he won't be changing his attacking style. I feel that it's our greatest opportunity to, to, uh, to win... Uh, test, test matches and, and series. Um, obviously, we went down the other day, um, but I thought we played some pretty good cricket throughout that test match. And, and credit to England that they were they were good enough to uh, to I guess run us down. Um, but you know, look, I make no make no apologies for how we play the game. We are we need to play an aggressive um, and innovative style of cricket because we've seen that over the last six series that we are, have been undefeated playing that way. It gives us our greatest opportunity. Um, the more we get comfortable with playing like that, the better we'll become at it as well. So, um, yeah, I guess everyone is entitled to their own opinion whether um, how you play the game, but this is how the New Zealand cricket team is playing and um, there's going to be times where we get beaten. Um, but I still believe it gives us our greatest chance fix, uh, for success. Brendan, in terms of sort of the structure of your order, how important is setting that base, especially at the top when you compare your first and your second innings um, for the first test? Yeah, it's always important to get a good start. Um, I thought... Obviously, the way Anderson and Broad bowled the other day, 
to uh, to resign us to 12 for three. Um, it was some outstanding bowling, especially late on, and uh, so late in a test match. But you know they grabbed that that initiative. They swung the ball. They I think they changed their plans. They bowled a touch fuller in the second innings than what they probably did in the first. And that's something that we're going to have to uh, factor into our game plan heading into this test match. Um, still believe we've got some very good players within our group, and scoring 520 in the first innings is testament to that. So. But it's not panic stations, it's just we need to just improve a couple of our rough edges. Um, you know, I still felt as if we played a good test match in that last game, and whilst you know, we're disappointed to have lost, um, we still scored over 730 runs, and we still took over, to, uh, still took 20 wickets, which on most, most occasions, you, you put those sorts of numbers up on the board, you'd probably say you'd win a test match. So, um, you know, we had to obviously cop it on the chin, the loss, but I'm pretty sure that we've got some, uh, we've got some improvement left in us here as as well. When you went away and sort of looked back, I suppose Ben Stokes is a guy who really hurt you in the first innings, and you look at how you bowled him, is there any sort of, I suppose, plan, new plans we devised? Um, yeah, look, we've had a good chat about him. Um, I thought he played really, well, two brilliant innings, to be honest. Um, the way he came out and, and really grabbed the game by the scruff of the net, it's not always easy to do that, especially when you're young in international cricket in terms of experience. To, to have that confidence to do that um, is not always an easy thing. So. We've just got to be persistent with our plans. Um, I thought our plans were fine, but we didn't execute them as well as what we could have. And when you're playing against someone who is as destructive as what um, someone like Ben Stokes can be when he's at the top of his game, um, you need to make sure that you're, you're meticulous in the execution of those plans. So but we've, we've tinkered them slightly. Um, I expect us to bowl better to, to him. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to get him out. And he's not going to make an impact, just as Alistair Cook, the plans that we have to him. Um, and Joe Root, um, but I think you know our plans should be should be slightly more refined, and I hope that the guys will uh, will be able to execute them slightly better than what we did in the first test. Yeah, it can be difficult, um, but there's some opportunity there, I guess, as well. And um, you know, our team I think is is a better team than what we well certainly than the teams that I've been involved in that have come over here. Um, I think we've got some very good players who. Our guys are hurting a lot after that last test match. We felt that we did enough to give ourselves a good chance in the in the test, and to lose it um, hurts a lot. So that uh, there's a I guess a steely resolve within the group to uh, to turn that around. And and the beauty of only having three days between the test matches is that that opportunity comes quicker than, than what uh, than what you normally do, uh, what it normally does. So you know. It's hard uh, what's coming up. Uh, we don't know if we're going to sit here in five days' time and have won the Test match, but I'm confident we would have made some changes and we'll play a very... I think we'll play another really good game of cricket. Um, whether that means we win, I'm not sure, but um, I think we'll be able to make the required changes and we'll put in a solid performance. Given that they won the luck, do you expect that you might have to actually make a bit more of a play in the second Test to just win the series? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I think we'll know after probably days... Two, three, four, and five will we'll sort of it'll develop. Um, well, it'll unfold as the game as the game unfolds. So, yeah. Again, I wonder. I just wonder if, if that style is authentic to them, and we'll find out over a period of time. I guess. So, um, you know, it's, that's certainly how we want to keep playing the game, and, and we'll keep trying to trying to play positive, aggressive cricket. And sometimes you lose doing it, but um, that I think we're going to win more often than than, uh, than what we're going to lose by. By continuing to play like that. Sometimes though, do you have to balance that off? I think we do <coughs> balance off. I think we do balance off, to be honest. And um, you know, there's there's times where you you can set aggressive fields, but still bowl in a defensive manner, and that's the art of, I guess, of Test cricket. And there's other times where you, you can set defensive fields and bowl in an aggressive manner, and that's 
is constantly evolving as the game unfolds. And um, you know, that's I believe that's what we've got, or how we've tried to play the game as well. Um, you know, it's not all fire and brimstone for the way we go about it. We try and play aggressively, um, but I've said time and time again, you've got to earn the the right to play aggressive cricket. You've got to have done the hard work beforehand um, before you can actually go out there and and try and uh, try and be aggressive too. So, yeah, I mean, you lose a test match and people, I guess, people can uh, can start to head. Uh, their thoughts head in a different direction and the first thing that you can attack is the way that we can't try and play our cricket but I think everyone enjoyed the way that we've that we that we have played over the last little while and I make no apologies for that. That's Black Caps captain Brendan McCullum. And that brings us to the end of extra time for another week. Remember if you'd like to contact us you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz and you can also follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Houston. Bye for now. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And... Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.